Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode, that's right, of the London is Blue podcast, home to the third place Chelsea FC supporters across the U.S. here. We got Nick Verlaney with us, no Brandon Busby. He's still sleeping, I think, after the match. So we found someone who was awake <laughs> and surprised. Mike Ryan Luis is awake, host of Chelsea Mic'd Up, Levitard Show, doing amazing things. Yeah. Uh, had time for the little people. Had time to join us. <laughs> had time to show off the hat collection. Had time to show off the Zola jersey. And is here with us today. So we're excited. Uh, you know I love you and Brandon so much. Come on, uh, uh, come Dan, on, Dan and Brandon, <laughs> I, gonna... just salt of the earth guys. So, um, yeah, I, I'm really happy to be here outside of one major exception. You, you really, you really want to do this now? That's what you want to do? You want to come? <laughs> you want to step on my turf? You want to roll in like that? All right, I see. Just know, Nick Verlaney, you drew first blood. No, well, I did. You but... didn't think I would listen to that episode of London Is Blue, would you? No, I did. Out here I did think you were going to listen. Subtle shade, <laughs> subtle shade, touting. How long have you guys been doing this pod? How many manager, managers ago? Was this Goose Hiddink? Was this like Goose's first <laughs> go round? Now, hold on. Though. No, it was Mourinho, Mourinho 2. Mourinho yeah, Mourinho 2. Hold on, because one of us has the backing and media support of a large club, the other <laughs> is an independent. Little guy making it happen, salt of the earth, all three of us, sir. Mm-hmm. So, I'm frankly excited 
for our audience to hear this back and forth and to take my side yet again champion of the world i'm playing in a way fixture but chelsea have been good on the road and i like to think that i <laughs> reflect that uh, of my club look i i mean i i love all you guys i, I love the banter as well and um it seems as though a positive has come out of this arms race outside of the uh, outlier uh, negative review we've bolstered both of our reviews so i am hell-bent on winning this and yes i do have the uh, the club backing me mm-hmm. so i've made up a, a tremendous amount of ground in our almost first full year of chelsea mic'd up and if you just extrapolate exactly what i've done in year one world domination by the time right. jose Mourinho I'll, shows look, up again for his all third right go-around. okay 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 all we i'm gotta, saying gotta pull the two of you apart all i'm saying is you give us the same level of support and we'll have a fair fight let's do it <laughs> chelsea if you're listening we're, we're here baby we'll give me the same well how about this I'll just continue to guarantee Christian Pulisic is the best player on the club because I know you guys see the Pulisic bump. So as long as he keeps performing, I think there's plenty of room for all our podcasts. Pull assist. All right, well, that was the shameless plug for both uh, leaving five-star reviews on the Chelsea Mic'd Up podcast and London is Blue. Uh, but mostly London is Trevor. Blue. Uh, it's fine we both win rising tides rise all boats and uh, Christian Plistic is doing that for all of us he's also rising uh, our hopes with assists that we'll get into today but thank you Trevor and Sebastian for leaving some wonderful five star reviews I really appreciate it Uh, Nick any call outs before we jump into this match review now that we separated the two of you, put you in your corners yeah no it's all all good I can can take one on the chin um I, I wanted to shout out our, our YouTube really quick because that has continued to grow, and I'm really pumped about that. Um, it's something that's been kind of a slow burn for us for a long time. So uh, Brandon's been putting in a lot of work on the videos and getting those turned around. We've had some really cool art come in from Jordan Collins, who's kind of doing some design work for us. So uh, if you saw the Kurt Zuma War Machine graphic, uh, he's he's going to be putting out uh, a few more of those bad boys soon, I'm sure. So uh, go follow us on YouTube. Subscribe. Smash the subscribe button is what I'm going to say. Wow. Smash. Wow, you sounded like a real YouTuber there. <laughs> All right. We've done enough. We've talked about... Hang on one second. I'm texting Chelsea to make sure I also get a YouTube page so I can go ahead and <laughs> smash your subscriptions inside of a year. Enjoy so, enjoy wow. cutting those videos, baby. Mr. Abramovich. <laughs> uh, anyway, we've got a match review here. Uh, surprisingly enough, uh, if you slept through it, you might not have missed much, but we did play Norwich City in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge with a final score of Chelsea 1, Norwich 0. Three more points in third place. The memes with three at UK are still alive. Thank goodness. We will play back the goal. What is that may goal, never die. Uh, thanks to... Thanks to the Chelsea Fist Stand app, the only exclusive app where you can find all the match review and highlight information. Here we go. Just three games to go in Chelsea's bid to qualify for next season's Champions League, starting with the visit of Norwich City to Stamford Bridge in the penultimate home game of this season. Filiqueta in for Giroud. Oh, that was a big chance. To measure his cross. Got nicely for Pulisic. Oh, what a save from Krul. Tipped it onto the bar. And behind 
for a corner. A snapshot from Christian Pulisic. He's got a man down far side. It's Lequeta holding his face. Pulisic. Giroud! Yes. Oh, yes! Perfect timing. Right on half-time. Olivier Giroud heads Chelsea into the lead. It's been a frustrating first half up until that point. But Giroud punishes them and makes it Chelsea 1, Norwich 0. Lovely ball from Loftus-Cheek. So got it back from Pulisic. Targets in the middle, just behind Pulisic will come for Azpilicueta with his left foot. Oh, grace the roof of the net. What a goal that would have been from the skipper. Wouldn't you love to see that? And Giroud again. Scooped in for Pulisic. Oh, good save from Cruel. Would have been a delightful goal. Lovely little ball from Giroud. Here's James. And one more for William Giroud getting across his man. Oh, just for a moment. It looked as though it was going to be 2-0. Brilliant run across the near post. A big three points for Chelsea as they look to secure a top four place in the Premier League. Now attention focuses to the FA Cup semi-final. It takes place on Sunday at Wembley against Manchester United. All right, Nick with no Brandon here. I'm going to throw lineup duties to you. Can you run through the starting lineup that we had? Yeah, we we were like we kind of split the difference in our in our lineup predictions, which is you know I think a first for quite a while. Kepa between the sticks makes another appearance, uh, darting my hopes of a, a Willie C appearance. Uh, Antonio Rudiger and Kurt Zuma are a center back pairing, uh, mostly due to injuries. Although uh, Tamori did make the bench. Uh, Cesar Azpilicueta and Marcos Alonso on the flanks. Jorginho, second appearance in a row, second start in a row. Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Mateo Kovacic in the midfield. Captain America, Christian Pulisic, Willian, and the meaty French forehead of Olivier Giroud. Up top, uh, World Cup winner Olivier Giroud, I should say. Proper title. Oh. Yeah, you gotta gotta put the appropriate respect on the name. Respect. Uh, we also had unused subs <laughs> of Willie Caballero, Andreas Christensen, Mason Mount, Pedro. Used subs of Reese James, Ross Barkley, Tammy Abraham, and Callum Hudson Adoy. Mike, when you saw the lineup come out or came out, did you have any thoughts, any feelings, any surprises or shocks with the midfield shuffle? I was surprised that Mason Mount was left out because we should always be surprised when Mason Mount is left out of the starting eleven. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if this is a rotational thing, a tactical thing, perhaps a, an example thing, because as you know, that first goal against Sheffield United was basically on Mason's inability to clear the ball there and probably got a little too cute. And we saw Mason taken off at halftime for the second time, um, during project restart. So, uh, curious to know what's really going on there. Um, the center back, the back line, it, it's sort of Frank's just going to ride the hot hand, Thankfully, no one really on that back line was tested all that much in this game. I, I thought Rudiger had like the one moment from the center backs with that nice sliding tackle at the edge of the box. But um, Giroud getting out there at center forward, not a, not a surprise. Pulisic is the first name on the team sheet. And uh, Frank's doing what he can in that midfield. For me, the real surprise was that Tamori was fit enough to actually make the bench even though he went unused, uh, hopefully we can see him maybe against Wolves and maybe he can replicate that worldly. Hopefully that's a meaningless game. 
Uh, but really, the surprise for me was Mason Mount not in the starting 11 and then going unused. Yeah, uh, he breaks his streak of 100% appearances either as a sub or a starter in the Premier League this season. So uh, unfortunately, that record of perfect appearances will not last for young Mason Mount. Uh, I, I definitely think it comes across as rotational. It felt like to me, Nick, that this lineup was looking a little bit ahead to getting some extra rest in ahead of the United FA Cup fixture, which, I mean, they're playing late this week. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to have to make some tough decisions about how he values the rotation. Feels like, you know, Frank was figuring, can we get this done with just enough and maybe give some rest away? Yeah, I I think that's probably right. I mean, you get two extra days to recover, right? So you you could still play some of your your key pieces. And I, I think for a guy like Mason... You know, it it's a good thing to sometimes sit out and have to watch it again and maybe gain the perspective that you need after being almost automatic, you know, as a selection all year. So my hope is, and I'm sure this will happen with him, he's going to come out just sprinting and trying to do everything he can <laughs> against United on Sunday because just kind of is who he is at this point. Um, I thought we might see a little bit more rotation um when, when I kind of looked at um, the front line a little bit, like we, we both called out Cal as a potential starter to give William and Pulisic some, you know, much needed rest because both of them have been run to the ground this year. Uh, I think if you're Cal, it's probably a pretty worrying sign that William is just continuing to iron man it out while you're on the bench. But other than that, I mean, the, the only other piece I would call out is, you know, Ruben getting a start again is is massive for him. Although he's not as sharp as a Ruben will potentially be next year. It's it's great. And I, I love seeing him out there. Yeah, I guess in terms of Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Callum Hudson-Odoi, let's resign ourselves to the fact, especially with the amount of fixtures left, that this is really a, a, a year to get them fit, to get them back in the routine and then build to next year. You were hoping for a longer offseason than it looks like they're going to get. Um, on Chelsea mic'd up. We actually talk about what happened specifically with Mason Mount. And I guess really, I don't think that there's anything more than perhaps rotational, as you said, especially with Manchester United. Chris Whittingham brings up a tremendous point that Mason's pressing is invaluable precisely against a team like Manchester United, which have really struggled when they decide to play out the back. If you press them, they can get messy at times. I know they've spent a lot of money on that backline defense, but they've um, they've had some trouble spots uh, with their backline, as uh, Chelsea fans can certainly relate to that. So I do think while being subbed off at halftime, we're always going to look a little bit more closely at what happens the next spot. I do think that this is rotational but also tactical given the opponent that we have on deck and what mason brings to the table against that opponent if he doesn't make the starting 11 against manchester united then obviously we can start wildly speculating well we did see how southampton took advantage of the pressing against united to work what should have been a a quick two-goal lead in that match so very likely that mason's pressing will be front and center with the strategy we get there but with this match top line stats Six shots on target to Norwich City's zero. 22 shots to their two. That's right, two. Uh, 935 passes, their 533. Uh, or sorry, touches. 761 passes to their 373. Uh, tackles, cautions, corners, eight to their one. 
Maybe that's why we didn't give up a goal today. They only had one corner. <laughs> and uh, we had 10 fouls conceded to their nine, both with two yellow cards apiece. Expected goals. This is high. Wow. Expected goals, 3.16 for Chelsea to 0. 0.06 for Norwich. Oh, Ke- if Keppa was spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> Clean Ke- sheet, baby. Keppa was on a beach. He, Keppa he, was filming was, car- he was filming a Corona commercial. It was one of his better performances of the season. Uh, it's <laughs> The only thing that's unfortunate from that Keppa performance is he didn't get to actually improve that damning save percentage <laughs> stat because he didn't have to do anything today. I, I think he can wear the exact same kit against United. Um, no, no, yeah, no I, grass stains on that bad boy for sure. Oh, no, not at all. It's uh, I don't really know... Maybe you guys can shed some light on what Norwich was exactly trying to do because their fate is already sealed, right? It's a bizarre mm-hmm. time to decide to change your tactics and, and park the bus, especially when you got players on that. Look, they got some good players. Pookie and Cantwell, to a degree, have shown that they belong in the Premier League. You would think that this would be a nice little opportunity for them to flash their skills, but no, you got Cantwell running to his own corner flag. It's not exactly what we had in mind when we entered this uh, this match, but that's how you beat Chelsea. It's just Norwich aren't really built for that, and it's just weird timing, guys. Yeah, it isn't more of a, we just don't want to get embarrassed anymore at this point? It's a little bit of pride. Like, you know, you saw how badly they got beaten by West Ham, and, you know, th- there's just been, it's the, what, five, six, seven losses in a row here. Or sorry, eight consecutive losses in a row now, setting a, a record for Norwich. I mean, that's just dreadful, and it's not where they want to be. But let's talk about some goodness with Chelsea. Nick, your guy, World Cup winner, Olivier Giroud, was the one who came through with the clutch goal, the clutch header. Uh, the stat from Opta Joe is three. Olivier Giroud has scored three in three successive Premier League starts for the first time since January 2017, when netting six in a row and starting for Arsenal. Furthermore, the Frenchman has scored in six of his last eight Premier League starts for Chelsea. Magnifique. Magnifique. Yeah, I mean, he's just on form, man. I I don't know what else to tell you. Like, I I put out a thing on Instagram this morning using one of Chris Axon's photos, so go follow him on Instagram because he's wonderful and he lets us use his awesome match day photos. Um... Just saying that Ali Jerusalem incoming, like he, he's on, he's on form. He probably should have had seven or eight goals today. I mean, <laughs> if we're if we're honest, and I think he acknowledged that in his post match press conference, where he, you know, kind of shy, shied away from the question a little bit, but but also you know recognized that he could have finished a little bit better. And you know, again, you look at this time of the year is clutch time, Mike. You know, you need players who are experienced who have done the business before and, you know, people that, you know, I think Frank's looking at his team and just putting out players that he can trust. And Ollie Giroux is a hundred percent one of those guys and put in another shift today. Yeah. I, he certainly has our trust. He's our most trusted striker out there. Uh, I'd like to talk to him in the macro sense because I saw the Dan of the match polls and I know he, he scores the eventual match winner, but I didn't think Giroud was particularly great today. There was, those were a lot of, misses that he had he probably as you said should have came away with a hattie and the one goal that he got i mean could Polisic put it anywhere better uh, this is one of those matches that you're happy that you have so many opportunities because chelsea were deserved of all three points and this is what frank wanted earlier in some matches where 
you know, particularly the Bournemouth match comes out to mind and the first loss of West Ham where these teams clamp back and you can't unlock them. He's just like, take the chances, go out there. That's why Ross Barkley is getting playing time because you don't have to worry about him going for a goal. And finally, one of the chances come through. It's good to have a fit Pulisic. It's really cool to see Pulisic and Olivier Giroud working on that Hazard-Giroud sort of connection. Again, once again, the hazard uh, Pulisic uh, comparisons. They they don't rest, but if he doesn't want those <laughs> Hazard comparisons, then he should probably stop playing like Hazard. Well, so I think something that was interesting here, and, and someone asked the question of how many goals has Giroud scored now where it's led to us securing a win or securing three points? And, you know, you look at, you know, we didn't necessarily need the goal at Watford, right? You win 3 nothing. You needed the goal versus Crystal Palace. So right there, that helped us get three points. You needed the goal versus Villa. We would have lost or would have drawn Villa 1-1. So that's three points right there. So six points. He was crucial in the second Spurs win. That was a 2-1 victory where he scored. Massive performance, um, yeah. And so it's, you know, nine points. Then you look at the one just now, that's 12 points. So when we kind of think about how Tammy was a talisman in the beginning of the season, Mike. Now we have Giroux, who, to the point you made, definitely should have... I don't think he should have had a hat trick. I think he should have had a six-pack. Like, this dude <laughs> was... He was in the location and in the spot so many times that he was either a... Uh, just He hit it with a little too much power. He headed it the wrong way. He couldn't kind of get his feet underneath him, but he came up in the moment when he needed it. And, you know, without Giroux as kind of a second half of the season hero, we're we're not in third position. No, once he started getting the playing time in, in January, you can see the points um, that we were really struggling to unlock teams. And he's so crafty in the box. He didn't really display that uh, too much this game, with the, but those sometimes those back heel flips, uh, the little two-touch uh, two game that he played with Eden, he tries to replicate now with uh, Christian, and you can still see them trying to work on that timing. He's crafty. Um, he, he he deserves that contract extension. He brings something to the table that Tammy Abraham didn't. And now you see when you need to get three points, Olivier Giroud is who you're turning to. All in all, a, a tremendous player for Chelsea this season. Really professional of him, too, because it wasn't fun being Olivier Giroud uh, struggling for playing time, not even, being, uh, not even being given the chance to be named to the squad. Everyone had him already going to Italy to play for Antonio Conte so for him to come back into the squad and make the most of his opportunities and be a total pro about it has been huge that being said I mean he should have had as you said a six-pack what are you doing Olivier especially for like some people that might have you know taken the team total over what are you doing Olivier someday you just have to you know stand in front of the goal and let the ball like ricochet off of you for a goal like you know I think I think maybe there's a little too much try hard on, on a couple of those opportunities, but uh, crucial player, really happy for him, total pro uh, onward. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I don't know if you've mentioned the enhanced uh, broadcast. I've seen Nick uh, with his hands talk about what Pulisic and, and uh, Giroud were talking about in the dugout before they come out to the field. Another cool part about that broadcast and having no fans is 
Giroud screaming to the heavens after every missed opportunity, <laughs> drowning out whatever fake EA Sports audio that they have in there. That was really cool to see because Giroud was certainly frustrated throughout the game. I'm curious to know what sort of inside joke was going on when he shoves Jorginho several yards away yes. when Jorginho is the first person to celebrate with uh, with him as he goes to congratulate Pulisic for the absolute dime of a cross. Can't get much better than that. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree with that. That was a, a fun one to see, and you know, it, he just wanted to dap up his boy Pulisic for for giving him the quality assist there. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the golden boy of American football in just a second after a real quick break. All right, so we're back. We have to talk about the man himself, CP10 or RCP22 at this point. Nick Christian Pulisic continues to do it continues to find ways to excite, to amaze, and to help, again, with a crucial three points. Yeah, definitely the most dangerous dynamic player again today. I think, you know, between him and Kovacic kind of making those um, defense-splitting runs, you know, which is is tough against kind of a block 10. I mean, it was clear that Norwich were really condensed in the center of the park and we're letting our, you know, fullbacks advance as far as they really wanted to. And so Pulisic had to kind of weave his way a lot uh, in this game. And I think early second half um, certainly turned it on again. Um, You know, I think what's impressive to me, Mike, is obviously the pass was put on a plate uh, for Giroud to head in and and that was kind of end of the first half. It's impressive to me that even though it's clear that he's gassed, and you know he's played as many matches in a row in a short amount of time as he's probably ever played, that he is still turning up and taking guys on and trying to insert a little bit of magic into this team that at times has been pretty lackluster going forward. So, I, I mean, I don't know what you think about it, but I was, I was very impressed today. Dan and Nick, he's invaluable. He, he's their best player right now. He, he is. Frank and loves him. He, he, yeah, it's how it's funny how things turn, but Chelsea have had a weird season, right? I mean, for several reasons, but this is usually around the time where, well, actually, my timeline's all screwed up because of the pandemic. A couple months ago is usually around the time where they have their team awards and they hand out their player of the season. Who the heck is Chelsea's player of the season this year? I thought Kovacic probably had it in the bag before just because he had the most consistent performances but now you take into account what Christian Pulisic has done off the restart. Is it is it a too hot a take to perhaps suggest that Chelsea's player of the season this year is an American? I feel I feel like that's a rehashed Chelsea Mike Duck <laughs> take that has somehow uh, been microwaved on our podcast. So we might sidestep that one for just a moment. I think so. Steam, we kind of talk about the facts. Steam but, coming you know, off of the, it. The hot pocket take that we mm. got just now. <laughs> um, so Christian Pulisic, 31 appearances uh, across all competitions for Chelsea this season, uh, just under 2,200 minutes played. Nine goals, nine assists, combined goals plus assists of 18 in total. That's damn good. Like, forget what his country is. Forget who he comes from. If you have any player first season in the Premier League, dealing with the Premier League schedule, Champions League schedule, League Cup, FA Cup, Super Cup, um, and you got no rest from your prior season and coming into this team and also being out significantly for injury. Nick, I think 
when we look at awards, maybe it's not player of the season, but I think surprise of the season is definitely Christian Pulisic for Chelsea and what he's been able to do. Yeah, and I mean, you, you, none of us mentioned that he might have had his best goal for Chelsea today, if not for a Tim Krul wonder save. I mean, you know, <sighs> you know, he lays he lays the Crazy. ball off to himself essentially, tamps it down, and then hits it with his left, which is apparently his weaker foot or whatever. Um, Doesn't even look up. Doesn't even <laughs> just, look up to the net to see where it is. It was brilliant. But was brilliant. but I mean, it tells you that he's playing with instinct, right? It, you know, I don't have you know if if you're in form, you don't have to look at where you're shooting. You know where it is. It's the big thing with the white border around it. Um, it, it is incredibly impressive. Yeah, I, th- I think we said, Dan, at the beginning of the year that if 15 gold contributions was in his wheelhouse, that that would be a damn good season for him, you know, especially coming in, not knowing how the team was going to shake out or anything and not knowing where the fucking goals were going to come from, honestly. Um, 18 with, you know, four matches, maybe five to play six um but I, I don't like to think about the Champions League one um you know he, he could realistically get to 20 goal contributions this year in pretty short order and and then you start to think about what he can do next year with a full season and the trust of the manager and whew, it's giving me chills baby Timo and yeah. Timo to play off because you, you just start imagining what that two-man game is there so so no one wants to answer my Ooh, question. Is Chelsea's player of the season an American? Come on. Well, I learned that at ESPN. Come on. What's <laughs> what's the interesting thing here is that you look at Chelsea's top goal scorers for the season. You got Tammy in the in the Premier League, Tammy at 14, William at nine, Christian at eight, and let's just consider the fact that William's nine are bolstered by two penalties, <laughs> one by Christian Pulisic, because we you know, just thing I like to make sure that we call out. Olivier Drew at six, Mason at six, who has not scored for quite some time, uh, and then Marcus Lonzo at four. It's also possible that Christian Pulisic ends up being our second highest goal contributor in the Premier League, which I don't think any of us had as a write-in in any capacity for this coming season. I think it was probably nailed on. We kind of thought that Tammy was going to be it. Preseason hero Ross Barkley. Everybody thought he was going to be kind of the next big contributor of goals. That didn't necessarily come to fruition. Williams donning the number 10 maybe finally starts opening up that Premier League bank account in droves. No longer hindered by Hazard. He's He's been all right. He's been okay. I mean, it, it is, it's possible. You know, I think when you look at player of the season, you have to look at the entire body of work though, right? And for me at this stage, if you were, you know, straw pulling it today, I, I think it has likely shifted from Kovacic to Mason just on like pure amount of just contribution of the team. But there's still four matches left. And thing about recency bias is if Pulisic's able to score against United in the semifinal, if he's able to, you know, start to, if he's able to help Chelsea cement what is honestly an improbable third place finish um given everything that's gone on it would be absolutely nuts then yeah maybe the calculus changes a little bit we'll see scores four goals against Bayern Munich and helps us <laughs> advance in the Champions League done player done. of the season I think we can find some consensus in that uh Chelsea are simply not third without Christian Pulisic um I can't I don't even want to imagine what this restart would be without him because he is treated like their best player by opposing teams. And Frank certainly is rewarding that trust. 
um, and putting him out there all the time. And you just know while watching it, like that's he's got to make something out of this here. He's going to turn and, and, and dribble through traffic and, and an opportunity is going to come from here. You want the ball at his feet as a supporter. Really, even as a neutral observer, you want Christian Pulisic to have the ball at his feet because he's turned into their most dynamic player. And this is absolutely the surprise of the season because while we were American and we have high hopes for him, we were all there together having a beer, celebrating him signing for Chelsea. I don't even think in a while this dreams did we think we'd even have the discussion. Is he the best player on a top four team? I think the, the one thing, if we're going to maybe just nitpick a little, because nitpicking is what we do. I, I Nick, I, I thought that in this match, you know, on the defensive side, maybe there was just a little bit of a, an opportunity, kind of a couple, couple fouls he gave away, just, you know, not, not necessarily always in a great position. And then also in the same token, you know, his ability to win a foul has just been interesting. It's actually one of the areas where he hasn't been super successful. We pulled up the, the stats bomb graphic and we retweeted that earlier, but there's a lot of areas where in his game right now, across a 90 minute match like expected goals 0.42 that's 97th percentile for players like in their database amazing but when you look at something like fouls one at 1.65 per match that actually puts him in the 52nd percentile mm-hmm. so like in the middle of the pack and with how how dangerous he is and his play style i kind of feel like he should be winning more but what's your take on that i, I think he's starting to um, you know, what, what's been interesting since the restart to me is that he's using his body differently than at the beginning of the year. I think I noticed at the beginning of the year that he was trying to just go full speed, you know, just blast down the, the touchline and cross him back or, or maybe shift a little bit. But he is doing more of the I'm going to keep the ball away from you. I know that you're here and I'm going to make you choose to foul me or let me go. And it's going to result in him getting hacked a lot and it's going to, you know, that number is going to shoot up next year guaranteed, but it also makes me a little bit worried, Mike, about, you know, him staying healthy, you know, over the long term. We, we saw what happened at Hazard and, and I, I just, I hope that he's able to continue to uh, keep up the speed because that's something that Eden didn't really have in his locker and it kind of separates the two a little bit, but he was also a lot more laterally shifty than Christian is. Yeah, I mean, well, all-world balance from Eden Hazard. I don't think we've ever seen a Chelsea player with such a strong lower body. Uh, I'm really hard-pressed to find, outside of like Michael the Burner Turner and Jamal Anderson players with a stronger lower body than Eden Hazard. I I do think that he needs to bulk up a little bit in that lower half. We saw with Sheffield United, that Baldock foul right at the beginning. That, That sets a tone. More of that where that came from. And he's not given a longer offseason. Guess what, Christian? You had your long offseason during this pandemic. I know some people have said, oh, he looks a little bit bigger um, since a restart. I- I'm not really seeing that. I think some of that is just he's wearing a white kit sometimes and he just naturally looks bigger and we haven't really seen that much of him. I do think that he needs to fill out that lower body a little bit more to take the beating that is coming his way because tactically that's how teams are going to approach him and he's not built like Eden Hazard he is quicker though and I think that he can gain he can he can probably stand to lose some of that quickness a little bit if it means being stronger and being able to take the beating that is coming his way because yeah more of those fouls are coming I I I tend to agree with Dan Um, those stats are a bit surprising and I do think that they're going to start uh, ascending to a mean 
because he's getting more and more uh, of those calls. Well, we are not going to rename ourselves the Pulisic Watch Podcast, so we're going to move on to talk about some other players for Chelsea that were on the pitch. I want to talk about, Mike, the return of Mateo Kovacic, right? You know, he's kind of been a little left out, kind of had an injury, had to work his way back to fitness, now gets an opportunity to start in this match. It seemed like he injected a lot of really good ball control in this match in terms of preventing us from making mistakes against teams like Norwich, where we've been maybe made to pay for it in a way that Mateo made sure we didn't have to today. Yeah, when when, when teams park the bus like that, when they congest uh, that back line, uh, oftentimes you're going to need to dribble through it and make something happen. And he is um, almost as good as anybody on our team at doing that. And he has the the frame to actually – I wouldn't want to go in for a tackle on, uh, on Kovacic. He's got the – even though he's dealt with some injuries, he can handle it a little bit. Uh, he, he was really good today. Um, really important for what they do. Um, uh, Kovacic can't, that's really, that's the surprise of the season. If you want to talk about surprise of the season, uh, Kovacic coming on and being this player when, if you saw Chelsea Twitter, some people were, uh, we knew we had the transfer ban, so we couldn't really lose him, but being uh, buying him at the price that um, was contractually obligated wasn't exactly an easy sell for Chelsea fans. And now you look back on that, if it wasn't for Courtois doing a complete 180 over there, you'd say, oh, Chelsea won that transaction. And he still could have a solid argument for it. Kovacic has been important all season long. When he's not fit, Chelsea are worse for it. You miss him. You notice when he's not there. And in a match like today, hugely important because you needed as many opportunities as you can get. And we remember sorry ball. That just wasn't a part of the dynamic with Sari, a player to be able to put the ball at his feet and just power through the defense, and he does that. It, it was interesting, though, Dan, uh, like watching his performance today, right? And, it, of course, all, all the things that Mike said are true, but I didn't think he played a position today. He was just floating around everywhere. Like he would pop up on the right and go get the ball from Dave because you know the passing movement around the horn again was – lethargic and, and kind of, you know, uh, tedious, I think, at times. And then, you know, he'd pop up on the left and go exchange with Christian and, and Alonzo, and then he'd pop back over. Like, it, it was kind of like Jorginho was isolated in the middle of the park again, kind of like he was against Sheffield, but that you had an outlet in Kovacic who was able to control the ball and distribute it effectively. And it does make a huge difference. I mean, to go from, you know, what was – potentially your player of the season before the whole restart happened to get him back and hopefully keep him healthy for the next five games, you know, God willing. Um, it, it's going to make a big difference. He can break down defenses in ways that maybe our other, you know, midfielders are struggling to do right now. I think the the thing that caught my eye with, with Kovacic in particular, and I think he also ties to a, another good performance that we saw out of, out of Marcus Alonso today is they were super static. Like there was no willingness to to move and they were seeding all of the wing. They were letting Marcus Alonso run up. They Acres. were letting Aspilicueta run up. They basically were trying to block that that middle. And while it did make for some, I think, tighter channels to navigate through for, for Kovacic, you know, you also had the benefit of of Zuma deciding occasionally that he was going to ping the ball forward cross pitch. You had Rudiger decide that he was going to ping the ball across pitch and switch play. And that was opening up 
a Norwich kind of middle that was just really willing, willing to sit there and ball watch the entire game if it was going to get them any points. Uh, Dan, I want to jump off of some of the things that you said because I'm starting to grow some confidence in Kurt Zuma and his distribution yeah. because he will he will surprise you. And what I trust most about Kurt Zuma with the ball at his feet, and and admittedly, I don't trust him a lot, but I don't, I don't really trust Rudiger a lot. It seems as though Kurt Zuma has grown self-aware with each passing game. He knows what his deficiencies are, and he's not going to get too cute with it. He's going to get rid of the ball, sometimes maybe a little too quickly, given the way that that position has changed. But I thought Kurt Zuma was really good today. We didn't call on the center backs that much defensively, but when they were called on, they rose to the occasion. I saw that Marcus Alonso was nominated for Dan of the match. I was really disappointed to not see Aspilicueta nominated. I thought Aspilicueta, as a captain, set quite the tone with his effort chasing down that ball and winning a corner out, off the beginning. He just sort of teleported. He just time-jumped his way to that, to that ball, and I thought... Okay, he's leading by example. He says all the right things after those disappointing performances. His crosses were pretty good today. I know there's always some questions about that backline distribution, but I thought Aspilicueta was pretty good, Nick. Do you disagree? <laughs> of course I don't disagree. I love him. Um, I what, what was odd to me today <laughs> to, to see in this match was it, we got in behind a team for the first time in ages. I mean, ages. I, I don't remember so many cut down to the touchline, cross the ball back, and have a person standing there ready to shoot the ball. Like, it just hasn't, I mean, really hasn't happened for us in a long time just due to the nature of the teams that we've been playing. And, you know, it, it is something, Dan, I know we're not doing a Man United preview here, but uh, something I would foreshadow is if you are able to catch United sleeping a little bit and you look at Harry Maguire and some of the gaffes that he has made over the last few weeks so there's a really good viral video out right now of uh, some of his highlights on the season right um 80 million pounds by the way is what you pay for him um it, it is going to be interesting to see if Giroud is able to both physically and mentally mess with him a little bit um because and, and i'm not saying that like Juan Basaka or luke Shaw are going to be easy to beat down the byline or anything but I think there's an opportunity because they Man United only wants to play on the counter. That's all they want to do. And Chelsea love to play a high possession game. So it sets up against us, of course. But I do think there's an opportunity if we're able to catch him sleeping a little bit to get in behind him and see what we can do. And and that's exciting. There were two golden opportunities if anybody makes a late run into the box or is anywhere near the, the goal line. Marcus Alonso at the beginning of the match and Reese James at the end of the match delivered peaches, absolute peaches that just needed the tiniest of a toe poke to be converted in. Timo Werner is going to absolutely feast next year. Like it is, it is going to be an all you can eat buffet for that man. If we can (laughs) keep this up. (laughs) The analytics, I've heard Billy Bean talk about it. Billy Bean's actually a big soccer fan and how crosses are a bit overrated. I understand that. And if you look at Reese James's stats, only two assists, on the season, right? But I keep imagining that if Timo is there on the receiving end of some of these crosses, uh, Reese James, he hasn't had the greatest restart. I thought this was a nice bounce back performance. We finally got to see some of those all world crosses again. 
you got to keep trotting him out there. He's just way too special at crossing. He, he can figure out the position. The position's evolving. That is such a talent. And if you surround him with the right type of attacking forwards, you can have a double-digit assist man as a right back. Uh, I, 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 it was a bizarre game. I, I don't I don't know why Norwich did what they did. I'm still struggling. Maybe they want something positive to build <laughs> on and it, it into the championship. I, I don't really know what they're doing, but well, I, I figured it out actually. I know exactly what it is. This was the match that Tim Krul is using for his next YouTube highlight video. <laughs> so they wanted to make sure that they had enough shots on him to really just fill that out with the appropriate good. footage. He was good. He was absolutely good. But this is, this is look, Marcus Alonso, we can start him every match if this is the type of team he's going to go up against. Yeah, Marcus Alonso, a Dane of the Match nominee because he's not tested at all in the defensive end. That's the personnel decision, though, we were talking about at the beginning of the match, right? You can afford... To play Alonzo, you can afford to bring Reese James on, who has admittedly not not been playing at his best since the restart. You can afford to have Ruben Loftus Cheek kind of feel his way through the game a little bit, and all these kind of things. Like, it's it's an acknowledgement from Frank that like we need to win this game, but we also we have United, Liverpool, and Wolves in a row. <laughs> like so, something's got to give it at at some point. So it, it is going to be interesting, Dan, to see what happens now because these three points were massive and we have a, you know, a, just a big semifinal coming up. And, you know, I don't know what Frank's going to do. It's going to be fascinating. Frank is going to go out and absolutely destroy Man United because there is no way you're going to lose four times in a year to Manchester United. It just can't happen. The law of averages would dictate. Yeah, well, the irony, though, is that they're playing their best football of the year, and we've lost to them when they were playing terrible. So, Although, if you do analyze their results, maybe not worthy of the hype. I just think that we overreact because of in the fashion where they just explode on the score sheet and they have these amazing goals, and Greenwood's a, an incredible young player, and when Martial is cooking, they look super overwhelming, but dropping points to Southampton, they drop points to Spurs too. That was also after the restart. The big Ugh. problem with United is, I mean, they're a terrifying counterattacking team because of the talent that they're counterattacking Speed. with. Yeah, they they are built in a lab to exploit Chelsea's weaknesses, but also <laughs> I think players like Mason Mount. And, and look, if you watch back to that first game, I know it was four zero. It sounds ridiculous, but it should be up two one. If Emerson's goal goes in, if Tammy's Tammy hits a, a shot off the post, I think three minutes into that match, it wasn't a true four zero. And then you had the Barchester United controversy. It's there's a running theme here. There are mile markers along the season. Whenever we face Manchester United, it'd be a really good story to tell if they can finally clear this Manchester United hurdle. And uh, you mentioned Luke Shaw. I don't, is he going to be fit for this match? That's probably a big injury uh, headed into Wembley. It'll be interesting to see if he plays Thursday, obviously. Um, I, my guess is no. Uh, Dan, do we have any VAR loyalty points to trade in for this one? Because I feel like well, we'll need all of them. Let me check my wallet and look, my, look at my punch card and see <laughs> if we've gotten enough... Uh... <laughs> Uh, enough situations where we might be able to redeem this one, this match. How many do you uh, need? Anyway. How many do you need to beat United at VAR? Uh, you, you need nine, and then your your tenth uh, penalty is awarded. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, any other thoughts from this match before we go on Dan and match? Look at the table and close this one out. No, I'm good. 
Jorginho was serviceable today. I mean, Jorginho wasn't really... We didn't really see Jorginho's weaknesses exploited because Norwich didn't seem interested in playing. My takeaway is what the hell was Norwich doing? I I just don't don't get it. Don't overthink it. They're not good. They're they're the worst team I've seen in a very long time. Doesn't he... Doesn't he owe some of these players something? I don't. I don't. I was very confused by by. Don't the players owe him something? There, there was the photo of Cantwell before the match, like doing something on his phone, kicking the ball around in pre-match warm-up, <laughs> and it just—it was the epitome of like where they're at within their season, where they're like, okay, we're going back down the championship. We're about to potentially lose our eighth match in a row and set a club record. Like we're really, you know, not excited or enthused at all. Um, yeah, that's what they were doing. They were getting ready for moving day. Cantwell will look great at West Ham next year. You think? You think that seems like such an Arsenal signing too? Like Ooh, they'll, they'll okay. just announce Fraser and Cantwell and say, <laughs> "Look, we 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 sign players for you. Be happy." One final takeaway on the matches: we didn't really mention him in this match because I don't. I think this is probably maybe his worst performance since the restart and he's been very good since that but uh willian um wasn't great throughout the game but then you see exactly how valuable he is when you're trying to salt away a 1-0 lead no one can run to a corner flag and fight off defenders (laughs) on our team quite like willian Tammy did a good job at the end too um gotta give him credit for trying to ice that thing i mean willian's ability to track back is invaluable and I hope they just wrap him and Christian in bubble wrap, ice them down, all the massage, whatever they need the next four days to get them ready for United because that is going to be a war. Well, that is it. We've wrapped that match. Dan, the match poll, there were three options, four options. Yeah, I, I threw a third one, a fourth one in there. Alonzo, 3.9%. Giroud, 42.3%. Kovacic, 19.8%. And Pulisic, 34%. So Captain America... Uh, does not continue his streak of undefeated Dan on the match polls. Drew comes in, flashes a smile, waves his fingers through his hair. Perfectly cut hair all the time. Somehow. Never moves. That thing is... Never moves. That's a helmet right there. Uh, we, we upgraded from Rata's hairdos to Jeru's hairdos, and this is what we get. The and different reasons for running your fingers through your hair as well. I'll take Jeru's mm. reasons. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is a controversial one for me. He won that one fairly soundly, too, and I know he had the game-winning goal, but, I mean. Yeah, not- match winner, dude. Match winner. <laughs> I mean, when you look like that, who, who am I to say anything yeah. negative? All right, the table as it stands, and by the time you listen to this, more matches may have already been played. Uh, Liverpool still at the top, unfortunately. We cannot time travel and reverse that Uh. one. They are the champions at 93 points. Manchester City on 72 points. Going back to European football after Kaz basically just threw out the case. It was a cake. Um, Chelsea, 63 points. (laughs) Damn it. Leicester City at 59 points. With uh, one match in hand, Manchester United also the match at hand at 59 points. Uh, they are behind Leicester by three on goal difference at the moment. If it did come down to that, Wolves at 55 points, Sheffield at 54. Uh, and as of today's result, Tottenham at 52 and Arsenal at 50 can no longer catch Chelsea on the table. So we are officially once again the best Premier League team in London this season. No surprise, London is blue. So, Dan, you did the maths earlier, right, on what Chelsea needs to finish in the top four. Is it still just one more victory? I think one more victory is, uh, 
you got it. You're, you're good to go. I think you could do it with four more points with a win and a draw. Um, you just, you know, it's, it's squeaky butthole time at that point. So I would prefer to avoid that. And uh, let's just win versus Liverpool because we seemingly can get up for all the big teams. <laughs> and Liverpool are also like on the beach celebrating still. So take advantage of that. Hope Klopp returns the favor a little Pay bit for forward. us hitting in the title. Yeah. Pay it it's, forward. It's <laughs> Um, I, I don't, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's going to be interesting now, though. Like, uh, right after, so Mike, we, we recorded on Sunday and we ended our recording at the halftime of Leicester Bournemouth. And it, <laughs> it was it was looking down. I was like, there's just no way we're going to get any help from these teams. And then, of course, we get a ton of help from Southampton and Bournemouth. Um, how are you feeling about the top four chances now? I, they needed to have this one. Um, that's a great drama of, of this league. That was a pretty crap game today, right? I mean, mm-hmm. meant all, everything. It's just, yeah, it, no one really wants to watch a, a, a game like that, and yet you're at the edge of your seat the entire time. Even if you're not a fan of Chelsea, you might be a fan of some of the other teams in this European chase. They've really figured that dynamic out. The Premier League, soccer, it knows what it's doing. Um, yeah, I, I feel much better, obviously, now. Really, what happened in that Bournemouth-Lester game was just totally unforeseen, totally unexpected. <laughs> I mean, for I, the biggest part is Soyuncu getting the straight red and, and being out for them because with the injuries to Chilwell, I, that is that is their best player. He, he's a cement block back there. He, he's been great for them. I don't understand what he was doing. I am thankful he did it. Obviously, Manchester United and Leicester play each other in the final match of the season. That's going to get flexed to primetime, right? Al Michaels is going to be on the call. That is uh, that is obviously Sunday the biggest night game. football. Yeah, that is, that is a flex Chris package. Chris popping in, <laughs> sliding in uh, from Al Michaels' side. Uh, I feel I feel good. Uh, I too want to get this over with because Wolves is certainly not the kind of team you want to be playing when you need to get three points. I know it's at the bridge, and that's good, and I know we we had one of our better performances of the season against Wolves. That is not a team you want to be playing when you're looking for points. And they were not they were not Wolves when we played them. They were some weird aberration team. That That's yeah. a very good football team. They they do have Burnley, though, coming up, and Burnley's been a spoiler since the restart. Uh, Nick somehow. Pope. Yeah. An Nick absolute beast between the sticks right and, now. And their place is locked in. They have nothing really to play for outside of pride right. and mm. showcasing their skills. And it, it's been really cool to see how Burnley ha- have played. To your point, Nick, you're right. That wasn't Wolves. But they were dealing with Europa League fixtures. We know what that's like having won the thing last season. And they don't have those Europa League season, uh, fixtures in the middle of their Premier League chase, so they can go all in. They've been trying their best to manage Triore's minutes, even though he's been he's picked up a knock um, with his shoulder. But I, I I desperately don't want to be getting into a rock fight with Wolves in that final match of the season, needing three. Uh, so at this point, if you look at the 538 probabilities, Chelsea now in 81% of the scenarios qualify for Champions League. 68% for Man United, Leicester down to 47% probability that they will make it. When you are facing Sheffield United, when you are facing Tottenham, and when you're facing Man United in your last three, and you don't have Madison, you don't have Chilwell, you don't have Sun Chu, you are not in a good position to capitalize. And if they lose this upcoming match, uh, it just is going to push Chelsea up to a 
you have to really F up big time to not make it in the Champions League. Well, let's all knock on wood. <laughs> now that you've said that out loud, you idiot. We are, we are capable of effing up big time. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't uh, want to be a cake all along. That's not what we want to be. <laughs> all right, well, that is it. We talked about this Norwich match enough. Hopefully, we made it a little bit better because the match and the football weren't great, but the conversation and having Mike Ryan back is always amazing. So that made it better for us. Hopefully, it made it better for you. Mike, thank you again for coming on, even though Nick Verlaney was here. We appreciate you making the sacrifice. Uh, you know I love you guys. I had to keep the uh, goalkeeper union. I have to be the represent the lone representative this week. A shout out to Brandon. But uh, Dan, you're wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Nick, a pleasure as always to Chelsea fans. Uh, we will not be back until, gosh, an FA Cup match on Sunday. Well, we'll, we'll be back with our, We'll get back with a little preview on YouTube. Yeah, we'll have some previews little, on YouTube, but a, a, pod, a full pod. Yeah. So, uh, you know. Until then, rest up, recover. This is your time to recuperate. Get a little uh, match rest in there because Sunday is going to be epic. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. Mm -hmm.